From the Defense Acquisition University, this is the Learning Circle. This is the Learning Circle. I'm Anthony Rotolo, and I'm joined today by Rebecca Clark. Rebecca is the Director of Integrated Learning Systems here at DAU, the Defense Acquisition University. And speaking of systems, we have many systems that require integration. So that's a very practical title that Rebecca has. And a system that's been central to our endeavors here and and central to a lot of our preoccupation these days has been our learning management system. I'm sure this is true of many of our listeners in your organizations. Now, DAU has just gone through a journey, a transition, if you will, as we've had to say goodbye to an older system and seek out a new one that will be able to afford us all the capability that we need in the coming years. And this is a major undertaking from an enterprise perspective. Rebecca has just led us through many aspects of that process, which is not only an IT technical challenge, but a business and even a cultural shift as well. Rebecca has a fresh perspective at this point with lessons learned besides, and so I wanted to invite her to talk to us about this experience. Rebecca, welcome to the Learning Circle. Thank you. Happy to be here today. Thrilled to have you with us. Now, as you approached this whole thing, knowing how large an undertaking that the acquisition of a learning management system would be, what were your very first considerations? It started quite a few years ago. So we got a head start a few years ago on gathering requirements, and then the project stopped for various reasons beyond our control. And then we started up again. Of course, our first thought was like, oh, let's revisit the requirements, which is a great approach, right, to see if you still have the same needs. But we also learned in that time frame that it's really important to make sure that you have the right people helping you define those requirements. There's so many people that are so interested in what the system will do for us, will do for students. And so we had to make sure that when everyone comes forward with requests, that those are coming from a place of expertise or some kind of knowledge of the system. So We did pursue revisiting the requirements, but found that it was really important to make sure we had the right people helping us. And sometimes you have to know when you're not the right person. (laughs) And so we knew that we knew stuff about learning management systems because we'd lead the operations of it every day. But it didn't mean that we would be good at finding the next system and implementing it. So we reached out to some industry experts And they came and they helped lead DAU through uh, requirements gathering, refining. They took us through a waiting process, you know, where you wait the different requirements, uh, importance next to each other. And from that list, we cured down to what we thought our requirements would be. And the value of that for us is that they're already experts out there. And everyone out there thinks they're experts. And that helps because... When we whittled down those requirements, it was based upon them understanding that what we wanted in some areas was not possible from a commercial off-the-shelf LMS market. And so that helped set up some expectations up front for us to go, oh, we know we can't ask that of anyone because they're not going to have it. 
we're so highly customized with our current system. So they helped us shape it down to this is what you can ask for. <laughs> and there are systems in the field that have these capabilities if you focus on this set of requirements. And so we pulled them in to go actually do market research specific to our requirements. And from that, we continue to find, yes, there's some systems out there that meet these requirements. And all the while understanding that we did have a whole list of requirements that the system wasn't going to meet. And there would have to be something done with those at some point in the process. So we learned really quickly how important it was to get the right people leading you through this. That kind of translated into another step where we realized internally that maybe our group wasn't the best group to be the actual group that procured and implemented the system. And that's, you know, can be a hard pill to swallow, maybe if that's your baby. But we had internal leadership. Our leadership decided we would allow a collaboration to occur between IT and our group and other parts of the organization, but that IT would lead this implementation. Yeah, I'm hearing some clear themes in here, that honest evaluation of how well equipped as an organization or a specific Mm -hmm. department you are. There's that famous line, a man's got to know his limitations. Mm -hmm. And it's very true in an organizational level. And you went outside to get the expertise at a certain point. But having that guidance to Sherpa you through the journey is very important. I think, you know, it's money well spent sometimes when you can avoid going down blind alleys or courting just the wrong solutions that you shouldn't be considering to a certain extent. Sometimes we get a little bit seduced by the, whether it's the vendor presentation or a capability that we thought we needed, but is not suited to us. So I'm hearing a lot of that. And then internally, it sounds like just getting the, again, the the, the right mix of talent and knowing the extent to which your corner of the world within DAU in this case could do it, but where you needed the other expertise elsewhere. Well, and I think to add to that, the next step was ensuring that when we made a new hire during that time period, that we hired someone that had been through LMS implementations. And so that person had been through this before in another government organization and being able to bring that talent in-house and have them work with other talented people in-house that could help drive this forward. You realize how it's worth every penny, right? You know, don't try to save in certain things. And there's certain areas where you spend the money and that's that upfront planning and analysis and people who've been there done that and they can keep leading you through. It's kind of like, If you go to Home Depot and you want to buy something to replace at your house, I'm not very gifted with home repairs, but they say, oh, yeah, you can install the toilet yourself. Well, maybe I can. But can I deal with the unknown issues that may be there when you unearth everything? And that's where it pays to pay that expert because they can deal with the problem solving and troubleshooting, whereas I can just follow the four steps. I do a lot of home improvement stuff where I've had to... (laughs) quickly become proficient enough, like you're saying, whether it's to install a fixture or whatever. And uh, But the devil's in the details, right? You start doing it and you realize, you know, maybe conceptually it's not tough, but you're lacking a certain tool that they should have told you about or how to use the tool. Mm -hmm. 
Anything like that. So, you know, getting the right talent and then you bring that type of knowledge in and then that's the gift that keeps on giving daily mm-hmm. as you have someone with capable hands to help with that detail level in the daily mm-hmm. grind of getting it done. That's right. And then to realize in that process that this is not a slight against anyone else involved because we do have people on our team, especially that keep those operations going. And they're very good at that day-to-day figuring out how to resolve issues, bringing up trends to us so we can change processes or standards and that kind of thing. But you need to have someone that's solely focused on the implementation and the mix of talents it's required to implement something new and work through the challenges that aren't technical that are associated with implementing yes. a, a system. So it sounds like as you went along, this was an effort that cut across departments and brought plenty of people out of the woodwork. So you went from that initial concern of finding the right talent to maybe potentially having too many players because Mm -hmm. this, again, cuts across many concerns. How do you keep everyone flying in formation when you have so many players? That's a tough challenge, and that's a daily challenge, an area where we quickly learn how to make trade-offs even in what comments you provide back and where you lead and where you kind of pull back. Because when you're going through this kind of implementation, some roles and responsibilities get a little confused. Uh, the, The primary team has to ask everyone what their thoughts are, find out what's currently done, and they have to bounce that across what other people do. And then they find out in that process that There might be issues with the current process, and maybe this is a time to fix it, or they might find out some things are working well, but we won't be able to do that going forward. And so there's this constant balancing act of who claims ownership of what pieces and parts of the process. And you do have to balance that having so many people to work with and so many talented people with, we know kidding have to get something done. So right. we can't sit around and talk about it for too long. <laughs> we have Were to you surfacing new things where maybe there wasn't a clear role to address it? I think it? We've, we've surfaced quite a few things through the process. And the difficulty in surfacing them is, are we willing to address it head on and change it? Is it something where you have to think through, well, why were we doing it in the first place? Uh, kind of an example of... You know, most of us have heard the story about the grandmother that cut the ends off the turkey to put it in the oven because it didn't fit. And then it this proliferated through generations until they realized that they had far larger ovens to work with. And they didn't need to cut the edges off, but they had kept cutting it off because right. they thought it was some magic technique yeah. to make the turkey better. It, it just didn't fit or, the oven. Yeah. That's really funny. <laughs> and so we we have a lot of those situations, but you have to be able to discern in those situations if it's an example of oh, we cut these off in the past because we had to and now we don't have to. Or there was a reason, and that reason is still valid. And you're touching on how you know, this ostensibly on the surface is a systems and technical yes. challenge. At a certain point, it interweaves itself very tightly with mm-hmm. business rules and processes, even cultural things. Mm-hmm. How quickly did that begin to manifest itself? Oh, I think right up front. We even, for example, in our little team a few years ago, even when we looked at the requirements, 
you sit there and you start to say, oh, what about this? What about that? Let's just add these, you know, before the experts came in and said, okay, this is not a free for all. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We have to refine these. We have that happen a lot in this process where we'll be moving along and we'll think everything's fine. Then we'll hear some other insights and we have to stop and go, is this an insight? Is this an opinion? Is this a hope that someone wants to squeeze in here into the new system? And where do we draw the line between what's a requirement and what are some little opportunities we can have along the way? What's been really interesting is we moved through all of these sessions where we're making decisions on how to configure the system. And we are told, okay, we can't do this and we can't do this, so we've got to think through how to do X, Y, Z. And then as we go through further testing and further knowledge gained through the process, might be two months later and you'll be in a meeting and someone will say, well, wait a second, we realized another way we can do that thing we couldn't do a couple months ago. Well, now that we can do that, now we have to revisit a change of process we might have had to decide. So what I'm hearing, I'm hearing in here the idea of constraints, of technical constraints and how in the beginning that might have been your version of cutting the ends of the turkey off, Mm -hmm. right, just to make something work. And then that probably drove, might have driven a a whole chain of business rules or process things. Mm -hmm. And then you either discover a workaround or some other path to accomplishing something. So was that a constant theme? Like, uh, you know, it's, it's like the technical can drive the business or the business can drive the technical. How did that play out? I, I think that's a constant give and take. We want to stick to the requirements we knew certain requirements would not be met. So we immediately went into business process reengineering efforts. And luckily we knew that way ahead of time because we got experts up front telling us, hey, you got to start looking at these areas that the system can't meet. And so we started those conversations and we worked through a lot of changes. And then along the way, you just keep realizing how flexible you have to remain with your own personal thoughts even to say, okay, when I'm sitting in this meeting, my gut reaction cannot be, no, that's not the way we've done it. We have to stick to this, this, and this. I have to say, okay, are my assumptions still correct? Am I just being unwilling to change? Or is this something that's a solid principle that I need to stick by when I give feedback? And that gets very wishy-washy in your brain on a daily basis when you are going through sometimes five to six meetings a day um, with different groups of people trying to resolve some of these things. And it's hard too because people care about their work. And so every person's dealing with this as they go through the process. Am I holding on to this because this is my job and I want to make sure I still have my job? Or are we all thinking, okay, what's best for the organization based upon what I know what changes can I offer or what should I hold on to? And so it's a very personal experience as well when you're trying to lead or be a daily participant in this kind of thing. How do I help us replace a system on a timeline while also learning how to make those internal trade-offs in my mind so that I can help this whole effort move along? Yeah, and I imagine in your first phase implementation, it's enough of a challenge just to deliver the baseline functionality that you had on the old system or to make it as similar or approximate, Mm -hmm. even though it might be a little bit different in how the system functions, 
you have that goal to at, at least stay close to your baseline. But then what you're saying is it, it really is a discovery process every day. So you have to remain a little bit flexible because, mm-hmm. you know, why put artificial shackles on yourself if you yes. don't need them? And the part of it I also wanted to ask you about is, you know, we're looking very much from an internal standpoint, but looming large always is the student or customer experience. It's easy to lose sight of that as well. Yes. How did that play into your discussion? Like, how did you keep that in the forefront of consideration? The great news is there's different parts in the process where new players are brought into it. So even if they're not officially a student, they're new eyes. Yes. And one of those moments actually came a few months ago when we had the user acceptance testing, uh, where we wanted to involve a lot of DAU faculty and staff. And as they were going through the little use cases they have to walk through and and give feedback, there was a point in that where 100% of the participants gave the same feedback that they did not understand something in the navigation. And so that was a huge, well, it's a red flag initially. That's a initially. strong clue. Yeah, it's, it's a strong clue. Just like when you do your um, your assessment of your assessment to see, like, if yes. everyone's failing question 17, you know, there's a defect, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I mean, so it's wonderful feedback, especially when it's 100%. <laughs> it's like, okay, everyone's confused about this. And so they looked at a different solution for the table of contents. And once they had a different solution, more people knew what to do. So it flipped the numbers in the other direction. That was a great example of how you need to be able to know the right points in the process to bring in more people and fresh eyes so you don't lose sight of who you're actually doing this for. Yes. Now, that's usability (laughs) type of testing and feedback. Was that interwoven throughout or was it just like a moment where something was so apparent that you were able to visited then? I think it, it's interwoven throughout, but because of the huge influx of new people that were looking at it, there it was easier to see a larger trend. Yes. And so I'd say we had unofficial uh, usability testing happening throughout, but this formal set of activities really brought out some things and it exposed some gaps. It exposed a lot of different pieces of information that the great team leading it we're able to write down and say, okay, we need to address every single one of these little actions. And that's been the surprising part of this process for me is the thousands of tiny decisions that you have to make when you configure one of these kinds of systems. And we are trying to keep it commercial off the shelf. And so we need to use what's there and be creative with what's there in order to fulfill our requirements. But there are so many tiny decisions. And then when you make those decisions, and you go into another set of decision-making months later, how much you have to revisit prior decisions to make yes. sure it all flows. Was that off-the-shelf, embracing the off-the-shelf capability, was that just to avoid the rabbit hole of customization and the Part cost? Part of that, we've been through that yes. rabbit hole in the past. Well, we're, we're segueing, right, we're swinging to a new vine, yes. and the old one was... <laughs> Highly customized, highly, highly highly Mm -hmm. customized, yes. If you wanted something, we could find a way to do that. And now if you want something, we have to see, can the system do it? Okay, it cannot. Should we try to find a way to do it some way? Do we need to integrate with another tool or system? Do we need to change a business process? 
do we need to change a directive to just not require that right. particular item going forward? And so, so there's it's a, a way to not uh, invent wheels that kind of exist. Yes. yes. So there's there's a refreshing component to this if you look through it all. You say, wait, this is a chance for a new start. Let's smartly look at everything to say, what can we discard now? What we can we look at with different eyes? And also, even though we're just replacing an existing system, you want to have your eye on the future and innovations and everything, uh, even though you're not pursuing it right now because you've got the timeline. But, you know, trying to keep that in the back of your mind, too, saying, well, wait, we can no longer do this, but what opportunity does that give us for going forward? Maybe we can think differently about That's how right. to use this. That's right. I know from my perspective, my role at DAU is as a production manager planning out new products. We were undertaking a, a very large in-house development effort. And as I began to look at it with my, the, my guest in my last episode, who was Judith Bayless, mm-hmm. our chief education advisor, we were saying, you know, this is going to begin to fall out in the time frame that we've got a new LMS with new capability. Mm-hmm. What can we be doing that showcases some of that? In addition to getting the product done, let's not forget that we've got some new arrows in the quiver. Mm-hmm. How can we fully exploit them? Yes. So it's been interesting from that perspective as well. Just, you know, again, from a curriculum development standpoint, making the most of the system and all the new capability. Well, and that is that is a struggle area for me uh, because I love and embrace innovation and moving forward. And people like you are coming to me saying, oh, what are the new capabilities that we could use going forward? How can we design? And I have to sit there. You, you kind of have to bite your tongue and say, okay, that's a great idea. Yes. Right now, we must get this system implemented. Yes, and I so need that voice too. I, I'm, mm-hmm. As I'm doing it, I'm saying to myself, "Well, I know I'm gonna. I could get vetoed on that for good reason because it's like that's a great idea, but maybe that's a phase two thing, yes. right? Yeah. So it's the kind of thing where you you have that tension between what's doable now, what you wait for later. Yeah, it, it's a struggle, and you don't want to thwart anyone's good ideas. You still want them to have the good ideas. You just, like you said, save for phase two. But then when we say that, we need to be prepared to say, okay, when we do go live, let us really turn around and focus on those so that people know that we were serious, that it wasn't a permanent no, it was just a temporary delay. I I think an area at the time might have been assessments where – I might have been asking you about what we could do or what kind of assessments we could do. And you were at a stage where, can I even successfully migrate, you know, the old tests before we get uh, fancy with things, Mm -hmm. right? So, yeah, that's an example of how it manifests itself. Yes, I think, you know, and this thought just came to mind, too. As part of this process, we have had to learn where to ask for faculty and staff involvement and when to say, we're going to keep you out of the system and the related tools allow us to some space to get some work done and trust that what we do will be helping you. And one example of that is all the product that had to be migrated. You know, you've got 400 products that need to be migrated. They're very long online courses or very short continuous learning modules. And there was a lot of modification that needed to take place in the development tool 
so that these products could be packaged properly and uploaded to the learning management system. And you look at all the work involved, and it's overwhelming, and you think, okay, well, we'll just send out directions to all the faculty and have them do it. And that was le- that would have been less work for us, perhaps, on the surface. But it's a one-time change to a template. And it, even if it takes four hours per product to make that change and then go through a whole migration process, we realized that wasn't something that the faculty would ever have to do again. That was something that would introduce new risks. It would increase the number of communications exponentially across the organization on something that was just a one-time system need. Yes. And so we kind of clamped down and said, okay, we're going to do it. It might take another person or two over four or five months, but we are going to take that on. We have to have the faculty trust us. We're going to put them into, you know, we called it the blackout uh, Mm -hmm. where they couldn't go in and modify or do anything and trust that while it's in blackout, we're going to modify this template. We're going to troubleshoot. We're going to prepare it for the new system. It's going to be uploaded to the new system. And when we email you again, we're going to say, okay, now you can go in and just keep operating as normal because now you have this new template to work from. And that that's just another example of how we had to make decisions that At first, on the surface, people might say, wow, you're not letting me help or you're not letting me do what I want to do to help this move forward. We're saying, actually, it is trying to help you and save you some time, but allow us to put first things first here and get this done and up. Then you'll be in a position to have these conversations about better design or changing tests or whatever the desire is. You know, in there, in in what you were saying is the – realization that this system impacts other systems. Yes. Right? So you're referring to things that we had to put in a blackout. They couldn't be accessed until they were ready again. Mm -hmm. How many systems were integral to the LMS, just to give us a sense of the complexity? Well, that's a very good question because I don't know that I know the exact number because there's officially, you know, it's connecting to a registration system, and another LMS, Blackboard, it's connecting to another system that collects survey data. In the old system, we used the system and a separate system to collect that data. And there's another in-house system used for some of the classroom information and, and other information. And so in between all that, there's a few little systems that actually provide the integration between them. So we're not actually directly connected to the registration system. There's some pieces and parts and tools in between there that's doing that. And so... This is one of the beauties of IT leading it because they know those hidden pieces that are connecting all of the systems together. Layers and interfaces between things and databases, all these these things that hook up. All of those. So the goodness is because they know that and because they manage that, they're able to look at the new system and see opportunities to streamline that behind-the-scenes integration even more. And so what we're seeing is – a couple of those tools that we had used or systems we had used are going to be dropping off because the capabilities in the learning management system, and it's been reviewed by those that are the experts in those particular areas Mm. and said, oh, this meets my requirement for going forward. And so some of those will peel away, and I'm sure they'll have to add other little integrating pieces. Yeah, okay, another Uh, argument for having the right people on the team, right, so they can see that type of thing, and you come out with a more elegant solution in the Mm -hmm. end. So with the value of 2020 hindsight, if you had to do it all over Mm -hmm. again, 
What is the biggest takeaway? What is the biggest lesson learned? I think right now, as we prepare for actual go live, the lesson that I think that I would keep in mind is to remember that the technology is just a mechanism to help you move the business forward. And so often the technology isn't getting in the way. It's the cultural and business rules and all of those people things that are part of the business that are hardest to work through. Uh, you can go in and fiddle with the system and try different settings and go, okay, this works, this doesn't work, this is a challenge, this is not. And you can come out with a list of things it does and does not do. It's when you go to work with people where you realize it's more nuanced and there's so many, there's emotions involved, there's expertise and skills and there's ways of doing things. And that's really a lot of energy to work through, both for the person leading people through it and for those involved in it. Uh, you have to mentally open up to accept things that you might not have been open to yeah. before. So I that imagine is a huge effort. I imagine you may be encountering not resistance, but just the need to un people are unlearning yes, ways that they were doing it. And mm -hmm. so it's not like necessarily uh, a resistance to how you want to do it. It's you have, first have to unlearn to relearn how it works here. Is that what well, was happening to an extent? Yeah, that's kind of, you know, and one example I have is, you know, a few years ago when I took the PMP exam. Yes. And I went to a boot camp before it after all this reading the books over and over and, and learning. And I remember the professor for that boot camp said at the end of the class, if you're an experienced project manager, I'm asking you just to forget everything you know and follow what we walked through this week. And I remember deciding in that moment that I would do that. I would let go of all my opinions, insights, experience, and just listen and take notes and say, okay, I am going to be tested based upon what this person says. Mm -hmm. And when I did that, I was successful. Yeah. Before I had gone to that, I had been reading and learning and questioning. Yes. And, and knowing when to put aside your prior assumptions and just go with the flow and be open. That's right. It's a versus, new model. Uh, you, yes. So you have to clear the slate. You have to clear the slate. At the same time, it will never be totally clear because we do have skills yes. and experience to draw from. So that wisdom to be able to know when to fight for a change and to sit back and say, wait a second, maybe someone has an idea that we should be entertaining to move forward. And I will admit, I make right and wrong choices in this endeavor every single day. But as long as everyone involved allows that push and pull, I think we'll get to a quality product that's out there. One of the difficulties in the process is seeing the expectations rise over time as to what this will do. And you say, okay, um, <laughs> <laughs> then you hope that they won't be disappointed because the expectations keep rising. You're like, no, no, we're still working from the same requirements, you know. So, so it's that balancing yes. every single moment um, and keeping and, professional through it all. That's right. <laughs> so, people, it, it, the big lesson yeah. it, it, co it always comes back to the people and making sure they're being able to act and work in a way that helps us all get to a solution that'll work for our students. 
And we have a happy ending that we're looking at right now. I think this system is about to go live when? It should be live by the end of this fiscal year, which for us is the end of September is when our, we yeah, switch so over we're, to we're the just October weeks 1st. Away. So, yes, yeah, so we're plugging along. And for our group, what that means is we just need it to go live so we know the actual problems we'll deal with. Yes. <laughs> so we're anxious because of the help desks and everything to know, okay, what are people really going to experience and what's going to confuse them yes. and where are they going to be calling us with hopefully some good news and, and some challenges. So you'll have a lot so. behind you, some new issues that maybe you can't predict now, but yep. I'll bet you'll feel a thousand pounds lighter on yes. September 30th, yes. right? Yeah. <laughs> We hope, you know, at least we'll know what we're we're dealing with at that point. Rebecca, what do our colleagues here at DAU need to know about upcoming dates or order of events? Are there some specific things you can tell us? Well, I think the big thing is uh, th there's a lot of angst right now about training and access. We are going to continue setting up training after training as needed, and they're being recorded and there's job aids and support tools to help. Uh, the help desks are all aware. There's going to be a lot of questions. What we'll be doing is right now there's a lot of extra trainings being set up to support things so that we will be ready to support the students at Go Live. Into October, even at the DAU annual update, we're going to be offering a training for people here at Fort Belvoir and for anyone that's virtual. We'll have a separate session that's completely virtual. And we'll just continue to offer those. And over time, we'll turn those into internal faculty professional development opportunities. Right now, we know that we just offer over and over, and we recommend people attend them over and over until they have enough practice and yes. comfortable feelings about the system. And so those are, I think, near term. We want to get it live. There's a huge stress that's going to hit everyone when it does go live because the influx of questions. We and have a change management issue on our hands yes. and a training challenge, yep. all of it. And we're right back with the human dynamic as well. It is, but we've got the right people to address it. And that's the good news. Yes. Outstanding. I want to thank you for being with me today. Can I ask you back on soon? Sure. After Go Live. After right? Go Live. We'll that'll that'll be a perfect learned. time. Yes. Well, thank you again. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for listening. To catch up on all of our shows, subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Learning Circle is produced and distributed by the Defense Acquisition University.